Welcome to the teaching ministry of Rev. Daryl Baker, pastor of Christian Faith Fellowship. Pastor Baker is fulfilling the call of God on his life to preach the Word of God without compromise. Raising up disciples who through faith in God will have a powerful impact on our world. May you be blessed through the message that Pastor Baker has to share with you today. May God's very best be yours. First Timothy 4. 1 Timothy 4. Another reason I'm asking you to jot down notes to tonight is because you may not be able to get to all the verses I'm going to go to. That's fine. Don't worry about it. Just jot them down. I'm going to give you a little reference of a verse for each one because it's significant to understanding that we don't just teach of what a lot of times what people would just say is man's wisdom. That's not what we do here. We just want to teach the Bible, teach you what the Word says. Praise God. So I'm going to read a couple of verses real quick, and I'm going to start my list with you. First Timothy chapter 4, powerful couple of verses here, verse 7 and 8. First Timothy 4, 7 and 8. If you're with me, say amen. amen. First Timothy 4, 7 says, but reject profane, <clears throat> profane and old wives' fables. In other words, talking here, Literally to Timothy, a pastor, Paul writing this letter to young pastor Timothy says, you must reject profane and old wives' fables, meaning that which goes contrary to the word and that which is nothing more than a fable. In other words, it's not based on the truth. It's just what man simply wants you to hear, not what God is actually saying. Notice this, but here's what I want to focus on. And exercise yourself toward godliness. Say this, exercise yourself toward godliness. I want you to hear that. Exercise yourself toward what? Godliness. So there is literally an aspect of what we can do in Christianity of a form of exercise toward godliness. Notice this. Verse 8 goes on to say, for bodily, uh, bodily exercise profits a little. Now that don't mean you ought to just kick it out. And, and not do anything there. But it does profit, but it what? Profits a little. Listen to this. Underline it. But godliness is profitable for what? All things. Say all things. all things. Where in the world do you find anything else in your life of something you can do that has a profit in every area of your life? There isn't one. There isn't one. Godliness is the only thing <clears throat> that is profitable in every realm of your life. Your personal life, your thought life, your finances, your health, your marriage, your job, your business, raising your kids, name it. Name an area of your life. Godliness is what? Profitable for all things. God, therefore, is telling you, I want you to what? Walk in the benefit of what I have for you to be able to what? Be profitable. In other words, succeed. Have good success. Godliness is profitable for all things, having, notice, promise of the life that now is. Listen to that. Promise of the life that now is and of that which what? Is to come. Is to come. <clears throat> when we sing that song, he's preparing a place for me. I, I can't think, I can't stop, but not, I can't do that without not stopping and thinking about he's already prepared a place for me in heaven, for me in heaven. He's already prepared a place. Praise God. What's that going to be like? Don't know till I get there, <clears throat> but I know it'll be good. But I want you to get this. We have promise of the life. That's Zoe. That's the God kind of life that now is. We don't have to wait to get to heaven to experience that God kind of life. But we're never going to get it if we don't do what? Verse 7, exercise ourselves toward godliness. It takes effort. Say effort. effort. 
It takes effort to do what? To exercise yourself toward godliness. It won't just happen. It is something that you must do. I like another translation of this verse. It says, train yourself to live a godly life. God's word translation, verse 7. Train yourself to live a godly life, keeping yourself spiritually fit. Keeping yourself spiritually fit. Train yourself to live a godly life, keeping yourself spiritually fit. If I could emphasize one thing over everything else in this year until the end of the time that we're here or you go to be home with the Lord, listen to me, listen to me. If you would zero in on your relationship with God and therefore the things that make you stronger spiritually, I'm going to tell you what, you ain't going to have any problems going through these days you live on the planet. The people that are going to have problems are those who are weak spiritually. I want you to turn with me, if you would, to Galatians 6 real quick. Galatians chapter 6. So if we exercise ourselves toward godliness, simply meaning what? Developing what we know, clearly the scripture teaches of, developing spiritually. That's exercising yourself toward godliness. To, To exercise yourself towards godliness, train yourself up spiritually. Become more spiritually fit. And that's referring to your spirit man becoming stronger and dominating. I've taught you this many times about how you can understand that you're a three-part being, spirit, soul, and body. You are a spirit, have a soul, live in a body. You can train your body. He even said bodily exercise profits a little. Look at Olympic athletes who have literally, in the context of training of their body, have gotten their food down to specific uh, macros every day that they eat. I mean, so, so to their fine-tuning that body to be the very, actually, uh, best and, and most fit that they can ever make it so that they can do the physical things they do with the context of the Olympics. And obviously, that pays off in some way, clearly, physically. Well, but you can also do the same with intellect. You can develop the mind. And we ought, we ought to do it through renewing of the word. But you can develop your mind in all kinds of things. Right? So even man's learned you can develop the mind. But you know what? Very, 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 very few. Did I make that point enough? You know what very few people have learned to do? Develop their spirit man. Develop their spirit man. And that's exercising yourself toward godliness. Galatians 6, are you there? Verse 7. So if we're exercising ourselves toward godliness, what's the benefit going to be? The life that now is. The life that God now has for us to live. 7. Notice this. Galatians 6, 7. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, he will reap. What does he mean? God is not mocked. God gets blamed for a lot of stuff God never did. And you're not going to make a mockery of God saying, well, this must have happened or that must have happened because God wanted it to or God allowed it to or on and on we could go. No, whatever a man sows, that he will reap. I brought this up a while back in one of my other messages. It still bothers me to this day to see so many Christians who just say, just live your life out the best you can. Praise God. Know this, that without a doubt, you got to realize everything happens for a reason. As if God's just orchestrating everything that goes on in your life. If that was true, then literally you wouldn't really need to do much of anything other than just sit back and let God do everything. But that's not what the Bible says. So again, what's going to determine what comes about in my life? What you sow. God, don't be deceived. God is not mocked. Whatever a man sows, whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. What you sow today, you will reap in your tomorrows. What do you want 2024, 2025, 2026? What do you want this to look like? It's all based on your sowing today. 
of what you're going to harvest in the days ahead. And if you exercise yourself toward godliness, what are you going to harvest? Zoe life. Life as God has it. Verse 8, he who sows to the flesh is of that flesh going to reap what? Corruption. So if my whole focus, <clears throat> that context is saying, it doesn't mean we don't ever do fleshly things. You eat meals every day. That's carnal. That's carnal. Your body has to have the food. Your body has to have the nourishment, right? So you're not saying that. What he's actually talking about is one who constantly sows to their fleshly nature is one who always allows their old fleshly Adamic nature to decide what they do or don't do. That's what he's referring to here in the context of the language of the Greek. He who sows to his flesh allows the old fleshly nature to be the deciding factor in their life as to what they do are going to reap what? Corruption. Your flesh is not going to lead you to godliness. Now again, realize this. Exercising myself toward godliness is doing what? I want you to get this. I'm going to keep saying it. Developing yourself spiritually. Developing yourself spiritually. Doing things that make your spirit man stronger. That's exercising. If I did things physically to exercise, what am I going to do? Make my physical man stronger. If I exercise myself in godliness, what am I going to do? Go make my spirit man stronger. So it's all about making your spirit man stronger. It's not about these rules and regulations and all this kind of stuff. No, it's just doing what will make you stronger spiritually. So notice, if I sow to the flesh, allow that old fallen nature. One translation actually says, if we allow the old Adamic nature to be what determines what we do, then we'll keep reaping corruption. But guess what? He who sows to the spirit. Come on. He who sows to the spirit will do what? Will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. Well, he's writing to believers that are already born again. So he's not talking about what's coming in the future of eternity. He's talking about what you can reap right now. You can reap the very Zoe life of God. Why does he have the word everlasting? Because guess what? It's available today, and it's available tomorrow, and it's available the next day, and it's available next week, and it's available next month, and it's available next year. Why? Because it never ends. Zoe life is not for a day. Zoe life is available every day. That's why he calls it everlasting life here. Because he's not talking about eternity. He's writing to believers. You don't obviously do what? You don't sow to the Spirit day in and day out to try to get to heaven. You get born again. So understand this. Verse 9 tells you this. Clearly watch. And let us not grow weary while doing good. So what would doing good be here in these verses? Sowing to the flesh. Tie that back to, to, uh, to Timothy. What is sowing to the spirit? Oh, excuse me. What, sorry. What? Well, I, I got going too fast. Let us not grow weary while doing good. So what would be doing good here? Sowing to the spirit. In this context, tie that back to Timothy. What's sowing to the spirit? Exercising myself. In godliness. If I do that, I'm so under the spirit, right? Yes, Yes, no, maybe. Let us not grow weary while doing good. For in due season, guess what? We shall reap if we don't what? See, the problem with a lot of Christians is they give up too easy. They give up too easy. And they do it, you know, people give up obviously for different reasons. A lot of people give up because they're not really serious about their relationship with God. They're not really committed in a relationship with God. They want to try this for a while, see if it works. And with the try attitude, guess what? You got a way out. Because if it doesn't happen when you think it should, you're out. You're done. But God's telling you, if you do what I'm telling you to sow to the Spirit, and you don't grow weary, and you don't back down, and you don't quit, guess what's going to happen? Guess what's going to happen? Guess what's going to happen? What are you going to reap? 
You're going to reap everlasting life. You're going to reap Zoe life. If you just do what? Don't quit. In other words, here's another way to say it. Don't look at sowing to the Spirit as something I do for a season, for a day, for a week, or for a month. What should I look at sowing to the Spirit as? Lifestyle. This is how I now live. I once lived sowing nothing but to nothing but the flesh because I wasn't born again. Now I'm born again. Guess what I do? I change my way of living. I now sow to the Spirit. I now develop myself in godliness, spirit man. And guess what as I do? Guess what's going to happen? I'm going to reap a lifestyle of Zoe life. How many want that for 2024 and beyond? So these are two verses to understand the significance of what you need to do if you want to walk in the things of God. Now I'm going to say this again before I start my list. Everything comes back to what, Kim? Relationship. In 33 years of pastoring, I can tell you that I, I, I got very frustrated in 20 plus years of pastoring at a 20-year celebration that they did for us uh, at our 20-year anniversary. I went home that day and I went into a room by myself and I told God I was quitting. None of my church family even knew it. I told God I'm done. I'm quitting. We just celebrated 20 years. I've done very little to make any disciples for you, which was not true. That was a lie. But you just kind of look at it like your church ain't as big as everybody else's. People have come and gone, won't stick with you. And I just felt like an absolute failure. And I knew Mark 16, 24, it was the foundation verse upon which I founded our church. If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, follow me. To come after him there means to be a disciple of Jesus. My goal since day one, since I stepped into the office of the pastor, my goal has never been to just get anybody born again. Sorry, that's not my goal. I want them born again, but that's not my goal. My goal is to get them to be a disciple. Because guess what? I can never make a disciple out of them if they're not born again. If the goals make a disciple, the born again's a given. Right? I don't agree with people say, well, our focus is just get people born again. No, Jesus didn't say that. Jesus did not say in the Great Commission, just go get them born again. No, he said go make disciples. Because guess what? It's a disciple who's disciplined in their walk with God who is strong spiritually, who will overcome and walk like Jesus. Jesus said, if you're my disciples, you'll do what I did. Disciples not above his teacher, but he will be like his teacher. So the goal is to be a disciple, and that takes spiritual development. But I, at the, after that 20-year celebration, and, you know, several days later, man, I'm just, you know, I, listen, don't even, don't even think that your pastor hasn't had pity parties just like you sometimes. I'm having this little pity party like I failed God. And God said, you have not failed me. You missed the most important, important part of the verse. So wait a minute, wait a minute. I've been teaching that verse for 20 years. I mean, I've done classes on it. I've done teachings on it, back, forwards, backwards, everywhere you can name. Teaching people, this is how you deny self. That's what it means. This is how you take up your cross. That's what this means. And this is how you follow him, living in this new life. I've taught it for years. He said, you missed the most important part of the verse. Now, when I say he said, it's coming up out of my spirit. He just bothered me and my spirit keeps saying, you missed the most important part. So I went and read it again. I read it again. I read it again. I don't know how many weeks I read it. So you all think you just instantly get something the first time you read a verse? No, you're missing out on a lot if you're doing that. And so I read it again. I read it again. All of a sudden, boom, it stood out like a massive, massive, you know. Neon sign. Oh, yeah, neon sign flashing. Woo, doo, doo, doo. If anyone, if anyone, desires. say it out loud. Desires. If anyone desires to come after me. And he said, son, you can teach people all day long how to deny self, take up their cross and follow me. Here's what you're finding out. Not many desire to do so. 
Because if they don't desire to do so, teach away. Teach all day long. What you need to keep teaching, you need to keep teaching what the Bible says. But here's the truth. You can't get somebody to do something that they don't have a desire for. Amen. During the NFR this year, which I'm sorry to bore you with some stories, but I'm not boring you in Jesus' name. We, there was a bull rider, Kai Hamilton, won the world. And Kathy showed an example. Sixth round, sixth round, seventh, eighth. Nine, sixth round, sixth round, he got jerked down on his bull and got knocked out just from the thrust. He didn't get hit in the head. We thought he did. He got hit in the chest. Broke a rib. Uh, broke a rib and... and uh, Fifth round, okay, broke a rib and uh, did some damage to a lung. I, I remember my first time that I actually went to any finals at all as a bull rider. Am I boring you? No. Southwest Rodeo Association. That was my first year in the Amateur Association, coming out of junior ranks, going to the Amateur Association. Arizona and New Mexico combined, all amateurs for Arizona and New Mexico combined. My very first year in the association, I made the finals. Top 10 in all of Arizona and New Mexico. You think I'm going to miss that for anything in the world? You kidding me? It's what you work for all, all year long, right? And so, man, I'm like excited to get to go to this finals. And I was tuning up at a little place I would go on Tuesday nights where I'd go to a jackpot, win money all the time. And it was a place called Skyline Ranch. And so I went there on a Tuesday night. Lo and behold, I get, I get bucked off a bull. I get hung up. And the bull steps on me. And he cracked two of my ribs, broke a rib, and punctured my left lung. And my left lung deflated. They took me to the hospital. They said, if it doesn't inflate overnight, we'll have to stick a tube down you. Inflate, inflate it. Thankfully, it did. It came back open. And they said, now, it'll take a while for that to heal. I said, uh, doctor, I have a finals this weekend. This was on a Tuesday. I have a finals this weekend. Three bulls to get on. He said, you ain't going nowhere. I said, okay, see you. And so I left. And guess where I was that weekend getting on three bulls at my finals? I took a thing that wrapped, you know, wrapped my ribs up and stuff. I actually rode two out of three bulls and placed at the finals and wound up moving up in the standings. It wasn't like non-painful. It was pretty painful. But he said, he said the problem is if you get hit there again and, and push that rib that's busted, it's broken. When it breaks, it'll go in and puncture the lung. He said, you could tear that lung apart, man, if you get hit again. You heard again. I was thinking of this because Kai Hamilton broke a rib and Kathy posted something about it. He came back the next two rounds. And he wound up riding in the next two rounds, placing in one, and, and was the only one in the next, re, second round after that to actually ride a bull that night. Won almost $100,000 in one go-round. He wound up being the world champion, but it would have never happened had he not come back and got on those two bulls. And Kathy posted, and a guy that's a friend of ours following us on Facebook said, we can clearly know that his decision wasn't the best by far. It turned out okay, but he should have never got on those two bulls. People don't understand rodeo world. Right. One, you work all year to get there. Right. That's your goal. You work all year to get to that finals. Two, when you go work all year to get there and you got a chance to be a world champion, that's what it's all about for them. It's all about becoming a world champion. It's really not about the money. But three, the other thing people don't understand about rodeo is you don't get paid to show up. You don't get paid unless you place. Right. This isn't like other sports. You just show up, you get a paycheck. Well, you're, what are you talking about, Pastor? I'm trying to explain something. Think about the desire it takes. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Because if you, anybody ever had a broken rib? Not cracked, but a busted one? Well, I'll tell you what. Laugh, giggle, sneeze. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> wow. Talk about painful. Yeah. Now, imagine getting on three bulls. He got on three bulls after that. He finally, he finally ditched his final bull because he had it won. 
he got on, he tried to get on a rewrite of a ninth, a ninth round bull. Actually, wound up getting on four, but um, he ditched the, the final bull, 10th bull, because he didn't need to get on him, and he was hurting too bad. But I'm just telling you, folks, what causes somebody to go and press through all that pain To get on the back of another bull? I'm not saying it's smart or wise or anything. I'm not telling you to go do it. I, I think a lot of times I sell time. God uses the foolish things of the world to confound the wise, right? Why would you ride bulls? I don't know. It's like the challenge of it. What I'm trying to explain is if a desire in the natural could cause you to do that, what would a desire for Jesus do? I mean, to be able to press beyond all that pain, I can't even tell you how many times I've got on bulls with, you know, everything from, you know, cracked bones to broken, like I said, broken bones to having had a concussion. I've had three concussions from bull riding. Uh, you know, there were no helmets back then when I was riding. Don't know that I was still rode with one, but there were none. So uh, there was three times in a row, man, not, not three, you know, three different times that me and, two, uh, th- me and three bulls hit heads. And guess what? He didn't, get, he didn't give in an inch. <laughs> but I did. <laughs> Are you listening? Well, what causes you to want to keep getting back on? Desire. Well, what's wrong with the body of Christ that we can't even deny self, take up our cross, and follow Jesus? I'll tell you what the problem is. Desire. Desire. So we need to address that. Could I get an amen? If, I'm going to give you seven things now, but if you don't have a desire to really walk with God, know God, and to walk in all that God has for it, these things won't really matter. But they will if you have that desire. That's the reason I went through all that. Number one, we've already talked about it in two services. Number one, get God's plan. So I've already given you all the scriptures about this in the book of Proverbs, about the very fact that obviously it's God's plan that will actually succeed, not man's plans. Many plans in a man's heart, none of that will actually succeed ultimately. It is God's plan that will. Can I get an amen on that? So we've already covered that in detail. Number one, I got to get God's plan. We taught you how to even do that. How, we taught that on Sunday. How do I get God's plan? So we explained all of that. Go to Psalm 119. I'm going to give you six more real quick. Psalm 119. This is a great checklist. This is mine. This is my checklist. I'm giving it to you for what I deal with in relationship to my life. Anytime going into a new year, you ought to be thinking about what obviously is coming up and are you doing the things that you need to do to be prepared. Now, even though you might know some of these things or know all of them, guess what? You need to be reminded of them. I can't tell you how many times I've, Kathy can tell you, I don't know of many days in my life that I haven't listened to Kenneth Hagin. I don't know of many days in my life that I haven't either listened to him most of the time or I was listening to my pastor this morning or Pastor Barclay or whatever. And I'm telling you, man, I've heard my pastor teach on leadership now for years, years and years and years. This morning, I was listening to a message from leadership conference that I hadn't got a chance to hear all the way through. And I heard him say something I've heard him say, I don't know how many times. But when I heard it, guess what? I thought it just was a clear as a bell. Man, did I need to be reminded of that? Because I will promise you, how, how many of you know it's easy to let stuff slip if you're not reminded? <clears throat> we got to get beyond this thing. Well, I already know that. If you're living with the I already know that attitude, you're probably not doing it very well. Because I guarantee you, you know what? I already know how good a steak is and I'm going to have another one. Amen. And I'm not going to take a casual attitude when I get my, my, my knife and fork out to go eat it. I'm going to enjoy every bite. Praise the Lord. Taste and see that the Lord is good. So if you truly understand this, you're excited about it. Psalm 119, verse 130. 119, verse 130. The entrance of your words, the entrance of your words, God, gives light. And it gives understanding to the simple. The entrance of your words 
gives light and it gives what? Understanding to the simple. Now let me just reference several other scriptures in relationship to that, but let me give you a definition or, or a better understanding of the first part of this verse. Entrance of your words. I love this in the, in the God's word translation. It says your door is, the, excuse me, your word is the door through which light comes. Yes. Your word, look at this right here, my hand. It's like a door. It's a door. Your, that's what this verse is saying. The entrance of your words give light. Well, it's not entering without opening it. Amen. And so God's word translation says, your word is like a door through which light comes. So let me give you a scripture reference to that. God is light. And if you really want to get to know God better, guess what you're going to have to do? Open the door. Jesus said in the book of Revelation, I stand at the door and knock. Anybody who opens and will obviously allow me to come in, I will have fellowship with him. We will sit down and have fellowship one with another. Now, I've heard that verse referred to almost all my life, still to this day, by many teachers and many Christians as he's knocking on the door of your heart. He doesn't reference your heart there. He's writing to a church, not sinners. He's actually writing that letter to a church. He's talking about fellowship. He's talking about fellowship. So he's saying, literally, I am knocking. If you would open the door and let me in, we would have fellowship. How do you open the door? God's word is God speaking to us. How do we fellowship with God? The easiest way to fellowship with God, open the word. Open the word. One of our, one of our uh, spiritual fathers, Dr. Sutton, was asked multiple times, but I saw one time, young minister asked him, he says, boy, I tell you what, Brother Sutton, I wish God would speak to me like he, was, like he speaks to you. He says, oh, you, you can have him speaking to you as easy as he speaks to me. He said, well, how's that happen? He said, give me your Bible, sons. He didn't have his Bible on him. Give me your Bible, sons. So he handed him his Bible. He opened it up and he said, there you go. That's how he speaks to me. And he's trying to speak to you. Problem is, you're not opening the door. And open the door. He is standing and knocking. He's the word. Jesus is the word. He's in here. He's knocking. He's saying, hey, would you open the door? So we can have fellowship. The entrance of your words. Your word is the door through which light comes. Now, light here is referring to multiple things. Both understanding of God as well as revelation of things you need to know. Light obviously also does what? It exposes darkness. It will help reveal things of the enemy trying to take advantage of your life. And it's all through what? It's not just reading the Bible. It's through fellowship. It's through fellowship. And it therefore gives understanding to who? The simple. Don't try to complicate it. Don't think I got to be some great Bible scholar to understand the word. Are you born again? I said, are you born again? Guess what? God can speak to you through the word. God can speak to you through the word. This is critical. Number two, I'm giving you my list of seven. Don't worry. I've only probably got about 15 others that I'll add after these seven. No, I'm joking. Number two, write it down. Make time for God's word. You need to make time for God's word. If you want to prepare for 2024 and all that God has for you, you must do what? Make time for God's word. I don't even ever want in my church... To embarrass anybody by saying, so how many of you here read the Bible every day? Raise your hand. Because I don't want other, everybody else that doesn't to not raise their hand, be feel, feel out of place or whatever. But I'm going to tell you something. It ain't just about reading your Bible. Right. It's about a door into fellowship yes. 
with Jesus, the Word, who's knocking daily and says, I'd really like to get to know you better. Now, here's the key. You ready for 2024? I'm going to help you like I've done before, but I'm going to remind you. I'm going to help you even more. And our guys are going to live this out in our men's meetings. Here's what you should be doing in 2024. The primary place that you should be spending hearing from God is the New Testament. I didn't say don't read the old. I don't say don't ever go there. But you need to understand that light of the new. I'm in total agreement with Brother Hagin, who proved it through lifestyle and how he lived, that he spent two-thirds of his time reading the New Testament. The New Testament is our covenant. Like it or not, the Old Testament was written to spiritually dead people. The New Testament was written to spiritually alive people. That's us. That's us. We do need to know and learn and understand things about God and things God will reveal to us in the Old Testament. But we got to know that in light of the New. And I'm telling you as a believer, to fellowship with God, to get to know Him, to tr- which is what it's all about. It's, uh, it's what I just mentioned again. It's all about relationship. Okay. It's all about relationship. Now, if you, I spent all that time talking about the bull riding thing to say this. If you don't have the desire for this relationship, you won't do what I'm about to say. If you're not going daily to the Bible and opening the Bible and fellowshipping with God, I'll tell you what, there's only a handful of reasons. One, you don't desire to know Him. Two, you didn't know you could. You listening? Yeah. You either don't desire to know him or you didn't know you could. A lot of people don't go to the Bible. They didn't know. They didn't realize that's a way for a relationship to take place. Right. Because to them, it's just taught as a religious duty. Well, you need to read your Bible. Well, let me help you. All that is is just a religious exercise. Right. So a lot of people don't read their Bible daily. Why? Because they don't know that that's a doorway to open up a relationship with God and hear from God. Right. You listening? Yes. Or again, they just don't have a desire to know God. One of the two. But I'll tell you what, I'll tell you how you do this. So what you should do, see this, I have two Bible markers. You don't have to follow your pastor, just trying to help you. I'll give you an example of what I do. Two Bible markers. All, one's for the Old Testament, one's the New. Where I actually have this one in the Old Testament is where I left off last reading in the Old Testament. When I go back to start reading the Old Testament, I'll pick up there and I'll move on through. When I get to the end of the Old Testament, I go back to Genesis and I start over. You don't have to read the Bible through in a year to prove anything to God. And you could read the whole Bible through in a year and never hear from God. Right. Many have. That's not the point. The point is a doorway into fellowship. Mm-hmm. You listening? Yes. I mean, there's a lot of people who went through a one-year reading Bible plan at the end of the year. All they had, honestly, all they had out of that was the ability to say, I read through the Bible. Right. But they couldn't tell you a single thing God told them. Mm-hmm. Seriously. I mean, how is it the Pharisees knew the Old Testament scriptures better than most and the, and the Son of God standing right in front of them? They don't even recognize it. Why? Relationship. Relationship. The scriptures for them were not about relationship. It was about a religious exercise. Well, that's not what the Bible's for. Say, this is the door. Hold your Bible up or at least your app, your, your phone if you got on an app or something. Say, this is the door through which I fellowship with my God. Now, I'm not putting away prayer, but I'm just telling you right now, prayer is a developed thing over time that will come through understanding relationship with the Word and obviously being taught in church. But most people don't start there because honestly, most people have a tough time praying. But it's not hard to fellowship with God through the Word, and it's a daily way we can hear God. So here's what you do. You actually take a marker, start at the book of Matthew, and here's the significance of what you need to do minimum every day. You ready? You ready? Read one chapter a day. It's not about how fast you can get through it. Read a chapter a day. 
Have, I know you're not going, some of you won't, won't, but again, it's just desire. How much desire do you have? Have a journal or a notebook or something to write something down with. Something to have a way to write something down with. Read a chapter a day. Stop and think about what you read and did you get anything out of it? Did you hear from God? Did something stand out to you? No, go read it again. You weren't listening good enough. Just going through it. Go back again. Slow down. Because guess what? Every day you open that word, this is the door through which light comes. God's talking to you. You just got to listen. Can I get a better amen? And one of the ways you can help yourself to know you're listening is take something out of what you got out of that chapter day and just jot a simple little note. You don't have to say, thus saith God, God said this or whatever. Wow, I never saw that before. Write it down. Well, when you say you never saw it before, I'm going to tell you why you saw it this time. Because you heard God. See, a lot of times we don't even realize how God speaks to us as something that just stood out we didn't see before. Well, guess why it stood out? Not because of your brain. Because God was speaking it to you. God was revealing it to you. And if you write it down, it will impact your life more as far as your remembrance goes. But it will also be something that you may have to come back and find later on when you're trying to say, I remember God revealed something to me about that. And I'm going to go back and see what he said. Praise God. Amen. Amen. And what you're doing is you're developing relationship with God. The key is writing down something that you've picked up. Because if you do so, guess what you're doing? You're letting him talk to you. If you don't take the time to write something down, you're probably not listening. You're just reading it. Well, pastor said, read a chapter a day. I'll read a chapter a day. Do my chapter. Praise the Lord. Be good. Go on to work. Do what I got to do. Now, listen. You're not listening. You're not listening. Two, I would encourage in reading daily, you do it first thing in the morning. You ought to start your relationship off every day with God. You listening? Start your day off, excuse me, with relationship with God. Greatest way to start your day. I said, greatest, greatest way, start to, well, I woke up late. Okay, fine. Grab it. Do it at lunch. Right. Do it when you get home. Doesn't mean you can't do it some other time. How many of you want to get serious about preparing for 2023? Yeah. Amen. That was not very many people. 2024. Thank you. How many of you want to get serious about preparing for 2024? Amen. You want to be serious about that? Yeah. What does it take? Relationship. Does God want to reveal to you stuff? Absolutely. Well, how's he going to do that if I'm just reading the Bible and what I need to hear is not there? Oh, he'll talk to you out of that word in ways you never knew possible. I'm serious. Amen. You'll be amazed at how much God can reveal to you about your life, things you need to know, stuff you need to be prepared for just by going through the scriptures and especially the New Testament. So again, this is the door through which light comes. If I don't make time for the word of God, guess what I'm missing out on? A lot of light. A lot of light. Proverbs chapter 4. Say, praise the Lord. Lord. That's number what? Two. Number two. Only got 15 more. Proverbs chapter four. Five more. I, I spent a lot of extra time on that one on purpose because I'll guarantee you what, that's the key thing you got to develop is you've got to develop this time with God, this relationship with God. Proverbs chapter four. Going to verse 23, Proverbs 4, 23. Keep your heart with all diligence. Keep your heart. The word keep there in the Hebrew language is the word guard. Amen. Means to guard. To keep your heart means you guard it. You guard, you're going to put a guard over your heart. What's your heart? Your spirit man. Guard your heart, your spirit man. With what? All diligence. What's all diligence means? Work hard at it. Put some effort into it. Guard your heart with all diligence. Why? Why, Pastor? Because out of it spring the issues of life. 
Out of it is the source in which life flows out of. In your heart is the source. Your heart. Say my heart. If you're born again as a born again child of God, guess what's in you? The life of God. The Zoe life of God. Say my heart is the source of which Zoe life comes from. It doesn't come externally. It, it comes up out of your heart. comes up out of your spirit, man. So why, why is it so important I guard my heart? Because that's where that source of life comes from. And guess who wants to plug it up? Satan does. Let me read another translation. I believe this is God's word as well. Of Proverbs 4.23. Guard your heart more than anything else. Guard your heart more than anything else. Because the source of your life flows from it. The source of your life flows from your heart. Number three, and I know uh, this is, the, the third one is not guard your heart. Number three, you ready? Get rid of every wrong influence. Get rid of every wrong influence. If you get rid of every wrong influence in your life, guess what you're doing? Guarding your heart. You're guarding your heart. If you just say guard your heart, a lot of people are like, well, what do you mean guard your heart? How do I guard my heart? Real simple. Get rid of every wrong influence. Every wrong relationship with friends that shouldn't be obviously friends. Bible says choose your friends carefully because even the wicked will lead you astray. Even as it relates to things you listen to day in and day out, should I be filling myself with a bunch of garbage and a bunch of things of the world and not filling myself with the things of God? Well, not if you want more of the life of God to come out, you shouldn't. Right? If all we do is continue to fill up on, what what do you mean? How am I guarding my heart by what I listen to here? Because that's how stuff gets in your heart. By what you see, by what you hear, listening, by who you hang out with, where you go. So if I'm constantly looking at stuff that's just carnal, worldly, listening, doesn't mean you can't ever watch a movie. I didn't say that. I, I, would, I would tell you this. You need to be paying attention to what movies you're watching. But, but the point is, if you're just all the time allowing all kinds of stuff that obviously is detrimental to your life spiritually that is not going to help you spiritually, guess what you're going to do? You're going to clog up the plumbing. And all you're going to do is you're going to hinder that Zoe life from coming out. So you and I need to do what? Get rid of every wrong influence in your life. There's many verses for this. I don't have time. I wouldn't have time to lay, lay them all in here tonight. But I'm just telling you folks, that, ingo- that involves friendships, what you read, what you look at. We have to say reading today, even though most people don't read books, they look at social media all the time. It cracks me up today to see some Christians that repost stuff that they're letting everybody know I'm reading that. And I'm like, what are you doing reading that? And you're letting everybody know about it. What are you doing listening to that? I I see Christians all the time post stuff that actually is is magnifying problems in other people's lives that they they associate with. Say, yep, that's that's my life. Well, Well, you need to hear more about it. About the bad. You understand what I'm saying? Like, like in as- aspects of somebody who has a hard time and parts of their lives doing different things. Well, they'll go find somebody else who does as well. They're not giving solutions. They're actually saying the same thing of what they're going through. And they're listening to it. Say, yeah, yeah, I know about that. Yeah, I deal with that every day. Yeah, I go through that every day. And you need to hear about it more? No. That's not going to help you change it. No, that's that's going to give you more of the problem. Right. Can I get a better amen? You, get, you need to get rid of what? Every wrong Influence. What are we talking about? Exercising ourselves toward godliness. So if you get rid of all wrong influences, guess what you do? You'll keep the plumbing clean. 
You'll keep the spiritual plumbing clean. Guess what's inside every single one of you? Turn to Hebrews 13. Guess what's inside every single one of you? The Holy Spirit. Did you know the Bible says in the New Testament that if you, obviously being born again, have the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, Romans 8, 13, if you have that same spirit that raised up Jesus from the dead, that same Holy Spirit will quicken, give life to your mortal body. Why are so many Christians struggling with health issues? Because they got the plumbing clogged up. The Holy Spirit who's in you will flow up out of your spirit, which will flow up in through your soul and into your body and bring healing to your body. But he can't do that if you're constantly filling up on evil, horrible, bad, negative stuff because guess what? You're hindering faith from working to draw that out. Thank you for all your amens about my message tonight. I'll move on to Hebrews 13 since you didn't like that one too well. Hebrews 13. (laughs) Hebrews 13, verse 18. Pray for us. Paul said, for we are confident that we have a, underline it, good conscience in all things. We have a what? A good conscience in all things, desiring to live what? Honorably. If you're living honorably, you're honoring God. You're obviously therefore doing what? Exercising yourself toward godliness. The nugget we're pulling out of this verse is, is that he said, we have a good conscience in all things. Paul strived in other verses, he tells you this, to live with a good conscience towards God and man. So here he's saying a very similar thing, but he's explaining the significance of doing so. That with a good conscience in all things, he's doing so to desire to live what? Honorably. The Bible even says there are those who literally have suffered shipwreck because of a lack of faith and good conscience. So what's the issue with the conscience here? I've taught you this. You're a three-part being, spirit, soul, and body. What's the voice of your body? Feelings. Feelings. What's the voice of your soul? Reasoning. What's the voice of your spirit? Your conscience is. There's another verse in Hebrews that says that your conscience was washed at the same time you got born again with the blood of Jesus. Well, how did that happen? Because your spirit got made new. So what's the voice of your spirit, man? Your conscience. Your conscience. If you haven't got it yet, here's number four, but I want to say it this way and you need to get it. Listen for and obey your conscience. Listen for and obey your conscience. Quit just making decisions daily without taking time to slow down and take a moment to check your heart and find out, do I have a witness in my heart about what I'm about to say to this person? Well, I'm going to give them a piece of my mind. Stop and listen to your conscience for a minute. Is your conscience telling you to do that? Or is your conscience bothered by what you know in your head you're about to say? Right. You know what I'm going to do? You know what you know, you're going to do if you listen to your conscience and obey your conscience? You're going to save yourself a lot of hassle, Amen. man. You'll save yourself a lot of trouble. Amen. But if you and I don't take time to listen to our conscience, God can't lead us. He can't guide us in the way he wants us to go. Paul learned this, and that's why Paul said, even relating to the conscience, he even talked about it in Romans where he said, I have both the context of the witness with my conscience of myself and the Holy Spirit. So again, the voice of your spirit is your conscience. Learn to listen for it, listen for it, and obey it. Because if you will listen to your conscience before you make decisions, listen to your conscience before you choose to do things, say things, etc., guess what you're going to be more likely to do? Exercise yourself toward godliness, not fleshliness. Right? Your conscience oftentimes will be trying to reveal stuff to you not to do. And here's the problem. If we don't take time to listen to him at all and obey him, we're hardening our conscience. 
Where literally the Bible calls it, in the book of Timothy, he literally calls it a form of searing of the conscience to the degree that we don't even hear the voice of our spirit man anymore. And that's how God leads you. Listen for and obey your conscience. Number four, Mark 11. Am I helping you at all? Mark 11. If I'm not helping you, I'm helping me. Mark chapter 11. These are a little checklist of things you should be doing to prepare for 2024. Now, many people, of course, and most of you do, know these very famous verses in Mark 11, 22, 23, 24, all about having the God kind of faith. Whatever you ask when you pray, believe you receive it, you'll have it, etc. But look at verse 25 is what we want to focus on. 25 and 26. Whenever you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, If you have anything against anyone, do what? Underline it. Forgive him. Release him. Forgive him. That your Father in heaven may also do what? Forgive you. Your trespasses. 26, but if you do not forgive, neither will your Father in heaven forgive your trespasses. What? Yeah. Well, does it mean I lose my salvation? No. Just means you've hindered God from working in your life and healing you from what was done to you and therefore helping you to be able to walk in faith because now you're out of love. Faith works through love. The key thing about love is forgive everybody. Be an instant forgiver. Amen. So can you guess what number four is? Number five? Five. Forgive what? Forgive everyone. Don't hold anything against anybody. And I don't have time to teach on forgiveness tonight, but forgiveness is closure. That's all it is. We're not saying what they did was right. If it was wrong, it was wrong. We're not saying now we become close personal friends with them because we forgave them. Listen, if they haven't repented for what they did, stay away. I said if they haven't repented for what they did, stay away. Well, I'm married to them. Okay, so that may not be a problem. That may not be an option. (laughs) Let God deal with them. I'm talking about other people. I'm talking about other friends. If I have a friend outside the church, if I have a friend somewhere else, and they obviously haven't repented for the wrong they've done, guess what? I'm not going to go fellowship with them. I like what Brother Hagin used to say. I will forgive them at a distance. I'm not going to go love in the sense of what we think is loving by hugging on them, let them stab me in the back again. If they haven't repented, they'll deal with that. God will deal with that, not you. You know, you got to remind yourself about this all the time with what's going on in our current world today. Because we have so many laws being violated around the world, and in the, especially in this country today, that are just un, 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 unbelievable, overwhelming the amount of laws that are being violated by government. Right. And you can sit back and look at all that, get all frustrated matter. You can say, you know what? They won't get away with the thing. Well, they sure are, ladies and gentlemen. There's a judgment day coming. And there's nobody going to get away with everything. But you got to understand this. If I don't forgive... One, it immediately puts me out of love. It's the number one thing that causes your faith to not work. It doesn't mean instantly all the hurt feelings go away and now I feel lovey-dovey about them. It has nothing to do with feelings. We walk by faith, not by sight. So we don't go by how we feel. We go by what the Word of God says because that helps us walk in victory. Number three, if you don't forgive, you're not tormenting them. You're tormenting you. You're doing two things by not forgiving. You're out of love so your faith won't work and you're tormenting you because you keep going through what they did and allowing it to affect you over and over and over again. 
So forgiving is nothing more than just saying, I release them, I hold it against them. I've said this for years. Why are you wanting to try to punish somebody for the wrong they did to you when God won't even punish you for the wrong you've done to him? Let that sit on you for a minute. Why are we trying to punish people through unforgiveness of the wrong they've done to us when God's not even punishing us for the wrong we've done since we've been born again? Guess what the worker of propitiation is all about? Jesus bore the punishment I deserve. Aren't you glad? Come on, 1 John 1, 9 through 1 John 2, 2 very clearly tells you, if you obviously sin as a believer, what do you do? Confess. He's faithful to forgive you, cleanse you. But then he goes on to say, and don't forget you got an advocate who was the propitiation for that sin you committed. What's that mean? He bore the punishment that that sin deserved. Even though I did wrong, guess what God's not going to do? Not going to punish you. So why would I punish somebody else for the wrong they've done to me when God's not even punishing me for the wrong I've done? Thank you, Jesus. Are you listening? If they don't repent, they're going to just hurt their life. They're just going to affect their life. But you got to do what? You got to choose to forgive and walk in love. James 3, number 6. Hallelujah. Tell your neighbor we're almost done. Nope, James 3. James chapter 3. Come on, I know you know this. Verse 2, James 3 verse 2. We all stumble in many things, many things. If anyone does not stumble in word, what he says, what he speaks. Most of you know this chapter. He is a perfect man. That's not like never makes a mistake. That just means mature. How can you tell a mature believer by what they say? How can you tell an immature believer? By what they say. He who's a mature believer doesn't stumble in word. Notice this. He's able to do what? Bridle the whole body. Bring all of his flesh under control. And he goes on to talk about the fact your tongue's like a ship. Determines where that rudder on a ship. Determines where that ship goes. Like a bit in a horse's mouth. Turns a horse any way you want. How would like to get your flesh under control? What's the key aspect of what you do that in relationship to what he just told you? What words you speak. But words affect so much of your life. They affect not just you, they affect others around you. They affect the ability of your future, where you're going to wind up as a believer, because it's like the rudder on the ship. Number six, watch your words. Watch your words. Say it. Watch your words. Say, I'm going to watch my words. Because if you don't pay attention and start watching your words, guess what? You're not going to be well prepared for 2024. You need to watch what you say. You need to speak in line with God's word. Uh, uh, Go to Psalm 92 in closing. You need to speak in line with God's word. I've said this for years and years and years. Amos said, how can two walk together unless they're agreed? So how can I really walk together in relationship to what God has for my life if I don't agree with God? Part of the problem with people's words is they speak contrary to what God says about them all the time. Watching your words isn't just not saying things against other people. What do you say about yourself? What do you say about yourself? Don't call yourself dumb. Don't say you're stupid. Don't say I don't know. You kidding me? You know God. You you know the one who knows everything. You have the ability to know the mind of Christ. Are you listening? Well, I don't know the answer. Well, you may not have an immediate answer, but say, but I know the one who does. And I'm not without the ability to know that answer. Could I get a better amen? So you got to watch your words, folks, because words, uh, as Proverbs also says, 18, death and life's in the power of the tongue. I mean, so many scriptures on this. So many scriptures. Words are carriers. 
And there's seeds planted that eventually will grow up and produce. And that's why you need to watch your words. Psalm 92, if you're there, say amen. Amen. Last verses, 13 through 15. Those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. They shall bear fruit in old age. What will they do? Bear fruit in old age. What's bearing fruit? Spiritual fruit. They shall be fresh and flourishing. To declare that the Lord is upright. He is my rock and there is no unrighteousness in him. Powerful. Read it again. Those who are planted in the house of the Lord. What will they do? Flourish in the courts of our God. What will happen as they grow older? They shall bear fruit in their old age. They will be fresh and flourishing. To declare that the Lord is what? Upright. And he is my rock, my strength. There is no unrighteousness in him. Number seven, you need to make God's house a priority. If you want to be prepared for all God has for you, you need to make God's house a priority. And it ain't just about coming. It's about how you do it. I said it's not just about coming to church. It's about how you do it. When he refers to the house of God here, he's referring to his very place where you're sitting right now. In the Old Testament, that was the tabernacle in the Old. In the New, that's the house of God where we join together and we come together to be equipped to do the work of ministry. Now, here's the key of how you do coming to God's house. You ready? God, God reminded me of this that he gave me years ago. Back in 2017, he gave me this phrase. You ready? You need to come to do three things to God's house if you're going to do it right. You come to worship. You come to work. And you come to walk out what God's revealed to you. You come here to worship. Who you worshiping? God. You come here to lift your voice, praise God, worship God. Well, I just don't sing that good. That's not what the Bible said. The Bible didn't say, well, if you sing good, worship God. Nope. You worship him from the heart. You come to worship. You come to honor him, come to worship him. You also come to do what? Work. God has a place for you in the body of Christ. He has a work for you to do. Thank you for your amens about that. The Bible's clear in the book of Ephesians, which is talking totally about the house of God in the New Testament. It says that every part is to do its share. God has something for all of us to do within the body as a work. And then the third one, then we need to also do what? Walk out what we've been taught, what we've learned, what God's revealed to us. If you will take an attitude to God's house that you're getting to obviously develop and develop, uh, understand more about him, have a relationship with him through these three things, it'll change your whole focus of God's house. I want to get to God's house so I can worship him, so I can work in the kingdom, help build his kingdom, and I can do what? Walk out what I've been uh, hearing from God as he's received, uh, excuse me, as I've received from him what he's been telling me. If you'll do those three things with the house of God, you're going to be a whole lot better off in the days ahead. Can I get a better amen? Our pastor said it time and time again, God's house is the ark of safety. Like Noah's day, it's the ark of safety in the last days. Praise God. We pray that you are blessed by the message Pastor Baker shared with you today. For more spiritual resources that can help you in your walk with God, or to invite Pastor Baker as a guest speaker, just go to our website at cffchurch.com. You will find additional teachings by video, audio, and printed resources that will be a blessing to you 
May God's very best be yours.